Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Change in Environmental Justice podcast, a partnership between Environmental Health News and Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. I'm your host, Brian Binkowski, editor of Agents of Change and senior editor at Environmental Health News. Have you ever wondered what it's like to go to the largest, most consequential climate change conference on the planet? I know I have, and this month, world leaders, activists, industry reps, and others met in Dubai for COP28. The United Nations Climate Change Conference, where the world tries to come together on how to tackle our changing climate. Dr. Robbie Parks, a senior fellow of this program, frequent guest on this podcast, and assistant professor of environmental health sciences at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, just got back from COP28 and kept an audio diary for us. Listen in to part one as he travels across the seas, meets up with old friends, speaks with experts and advocates from across the globe, and gives a first-person account of the sights, sounds, and scenes from the largest gathering on the planet covering the environmental issue of our time. And when you're done, check out part two, where Robbie continues navigating COP28, focusing on the climate and health intersection. Enjoy. Uh, 10 to 6 in the morning and I've just arrived at JFK Airport in New York on my way to uh, COP28 in Dubai and yeah, very bleary eyed but also very excited and so yeah uh, looking forward to joining what's already going on there's a lot I saw in the first uh, few days especially the health day that I'm excited about understanding uh, the importance and significance of and there's some cool networking events focused on climate and health as soon as I uh, arrive so I'm very very excited about that Um, and you know catching up with some colleagues and old friends uh, all of that is uh, something I'm really looking forward to what I'm not looking forward to is the uh, next uh, 12 hours or so of transit so um, yeah I'll uh, get on with that now thanks December uh, local time in Dubai and I've just arrived and I've got to say the journey was smooth but I didn't get much sleep and right now I'm in a, a Tesla hurtling to my accommodation and my first impression is you know I'm wearing the same clothes as I got uh, left from New York City so I'm way too warm but uh, everyone's been really friendly uh, the COP28 presence at the airport is uh, rather small. There's one sign, but uh, it looks like there's uh, a lot of activity going on. 
Um, the cityscape as I landed was very impressive and uh, looking forward to seeing more of the city but right now just looking forward to getting a change of clothes and uh, a shower and maybe a coffee. It's early afternoon on the uh, 6th of December and I've uh, finally arrived after a very long journey uh, to Dubai and uh, just staring out the window of my hotel see a lovely beach view, uh, hopefully you get to see that, but i um, very excited because tonight there's a climate and health reception uh, and there's going to be many colleagues and friends uh, that uh, I'm going to see and hopefully trying to push and, and rep Columbia and the Mailman School of Public Health uh, for climate and health and just generally try and be a, a good advocate for, uh, for, for the field. So... Um, yeah, looking forward to that, but uh, very, very drained and, and it's very, very warm. So, uh, yeah, just uh, trying to recuperate. I've just arrived at uh, the climate and health reception and it's completely bonkers. Uh, there's all the movers and shakers of climate and health and uh, yeah so I'm just trying to uh, yeah drinks all the finery everyone out and about uh, yeah it's really wild so um, yeah this is I'm trying to drink it all in but it's basically like a huge wedding and um, yeah so uh, wow I'll try and be a little bit more um, Descriptive. I'm going to get a drink. Okay, it's uh, December 6th. It's about half seven in the evening and I've arrived at the uh, Climate and Health uh, Suites Party um, at this very grand hotel at the, 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 the leaves of the palm tree in Dubai, if you look at Google Maps. And I'm here with a very good friend of mine, uh, Nate or Nathaniel uh, Matthews Trigg. Say hi, Nate. Yeah, hello. And we go way back to uh, uh, Geneva and where we did our internship together. And, and you know, we're, we're hanging out. And it, just a, it, it really is sort of uh, a place where friends and colleagues see each other and network and, and catch up. So uh, there's going to be a lot of that tonight. I've seen about 10 people that we bumped into. But uh, we're just going to have a drink and see how it goes. But uh, cops off to a, a good party sort of start. So let's see. is watching. Let's not rest until we get this done. Uh, it's the morning of the 7th of December uh, and it's uh, my first proper morning at COP28 and uh, it's the uh, actual day of rest. So I've come to the Blue Zone, which is the open to all area to come to some events. Just about to go to Q House. Uh, then I'm going to meet Francesca Dominici of Harvard later. So a lot of people from the U.S. are here. Uh, and then I'm going to maybe do some touristic things because there's, um, you know, a lot of free time today. Let's see how it goes. So it's the afternoon of the 7th of December. So rest day at COP. Uh, and I'm uh, actually at, at probably the highest point I've ever been in my life while still on solid ground because I'm at the top of the Burj Khalifa 
and uh, we're at the Atmosphere restaurant. Uh, Nate and I, um, who uh, I mentioned yesterday, was a good friend of mine from my time in, in Geneva at the WMO, and uh, we're currently overlooking a pretty impressive uh, kind of site, really. There's like an artificial lake below. Um, there's endless uh, kind of vistas of buildings, but then it actually suddenly becomes desert and then we're quickly reminded we're actually in the middle of the desert so um, yeah I don't know what do you think Nate? Yeah there's kind of a blanket of haze kind of obscuring the horizon um, but yeah you almost feel like a bird kind of looking down so high up. Yeah it's kind of funny because um, we are at COP and of course pollution is a big component of the health uh, reason that we're kind of here and uh, I think the gas flaring has um has caused a lot of the haze day to day as well as the sand so it is kind of interesting the air quality index is very is very bad in general so um, yeah you can really see that from up high but yeah really odd once in a lifetime experience December and it's my first day actually coming to the Blue Zone COP28 and I just uh, took a really really nice uh, train ride uh, through uh, Dubai on the metro and now we're being um, herded into a line I'm not sure how long the line is but um, yeah I'm very excited kind of not really sure what to expect right now. Um, everything seems fairly organized, which is quite different from um, other events I've been to associated with the UN. Um, and uh, yeah, there should be a lot of health events that I can see, but also really interesting stuff on the global stock take, uh, drawdown from fossil fuels. There's a big debate on, on that right now. Um, about how exactly uh, the declaration is going to talk about it at the end of COP. Um, there should be quite a few uh, familiar faces wandering around. Uh, there's especially the WHO Health Pavilion, which is very uh, exciting. It's the second time it's been at COP. Uh, and of course, this is a health COP, so uh, there was a health day last week. But there's many more events that should take place. So my first impressions is, okay, it's busy. Um, it might take me a while to get my pass, but right now, actually, it's fairly organized and everyone seems calm and happy. So, uh, yeah, excited. Okay, I'm in. So uh, that was actually really easy. Uh, so now... I'm just surrounded by lots of people. Uh, there's uh, a protest going on about climate justice and ending fossil fuels. And a lot of people doing TV interviews, uh, people dressed in all sorts of outfits from around the world. Uh, but uh, let's see where we're gonna head. Uh, it's not clear, immediately clear what uh, is what all the buildings actually 
separate and uh, I'm going to just walk around, see what's happening and uh, yeah, hopefully see some cool stuff. I just found my first event and I'm in the Alwaha Theatre for a special spotlight on children for investing in health for today and tomorrow. And uh, this is an announcement by the UAE about their investment in climate change and, and health specifically for, for children. So there's going to be quite a lot of hubbub and excitement about some kind of announcement. So uh, lots of um, people seem to be uh, enjoying themselves sitting here. There's a constant sort of stream of music playing throughout most of the entire venue I've been to so far. It's sort of like very peaceful and, and relaxing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting just to, yeah, hi, uh, see, you know, what, what's, um, what's going on. So uh, I've just been moved to somewhere else. So I'm just going to try and find a spot. But uh, yeah. Lots, lots to see and do here, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, I've just uh, been walking around uh, and uh, been taking some photos after the conference event, and I'm here with my new friend, Therese, uh, who is from Senegal, and uh, she's just going to describe a little bit of what she's uh, been doing and what uh, she's doing here in, in French, I think, because... Uh, uh, she, her first language is French, so how are you? Bonjour, Robbie. Comment tu vas? <laughs> Moi, c'est okay. Madame Tine, Thérèse, Adèle Régine-Djou. Je suis du Sénégal. Je suis professeure de sciences de la vie et de la terre au cours Sainte-Marie-de-Anne. Et en même temps, je suis étudiante à l'Institut des sciences de l'environnement euh, de l'Université chère en Tadjok de Dakar. Mm -hmm. voilà. Je fais un Master 2 en, en responsabilité sociétale des entreprises et développement durable. Et pour mon mémoire, j'ai voulu travailler sur l'éducation au développement durable dans l'enseignement privé catholique à Dakar et, et le cas du cours Sainte-Marie-de-Anne puisque je travaille là-bas. Pourquoi j'ai choisi de me spécialiser dans l'éducation au développement durable Parce que moi, je suis convaincue que pour un changement d'attitude et de comportement, il faut que euh, les curricula et les programmes soient révisés et que l'éducation au changement climatique et au développement durable soit intégrée mmh. dans les programmes et les curricula de la maternelle à l'université. Mmh. Je pense que c'est seulement ainsi qu'on pourra avoir un, un, un changement des attitudes, des comportements et des mentalités sur le changement climatique. Ah, très intéressant. Merci beaucoup, Thérèse. Et, euh... Uh, J'espère que tu, uh, tu, tu vas bien. Okay. En tout cas, merci. Merci beaucoup. N'hésitez pas à venir au Sénégal. N'hésitez pas aussi à venir dans mon école pour Sainte-Marie-de-Anne qui est en train de faire une labellisation E3D parce qu'il y a aussi un programme français dans, dans mon école. Voilà. Je tiens beaucoup à l'éducation mais aussi aux enfants parce que je suis sûre que si on inclut aux enfants l'éducation au changement climatique, les enfants seront les adultes de demain. Mm -hmm. Ils pourront, quand ils seront plus grands, prendre en compte 
les enjeux environnementaux. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Uh, this time there's actually a plant-based food park, just plant-based food, which is obviously, you know, for climate reasons as well as for other reasons, is actually uh, a really nice option. Uh, and for me, being a vegan, it's, uh, it's essential. So uh, much appreciated. I'm very excited because I'm quite hungry. Uh, but, um, you know, glad that they've thought of different options here. The food options are quite extensive, some very expensive food, but... You know, just for sort of lunch food, it seems like there's quite a few good options too, especially now with the plant-based section. So uh, it's right next to the UK uh, pavilion, so I'm just going to get some food and then maybe go into there. So, yeah. Okay, so it's the afternoon of Friday the 8th, kind of mid-afternoon, and uh, there's a feeling of uh, a bit of a... You know, a tiny bit of a lull between proceedings as people move between events. There's lots of events, but there's sort of pauses in between. And, uh, you know, I uh, had just gone to the WHO Health Pavilion uh, to see some talks uh, focusing on youth and, and mental health resilience. Uh, I was involved in climate cares, and uh, they're doing these great initiatives trying to find stories worldwide of uh, mental health stories in youth and, and resilience. And, and so Emma Lawrence of Imperial College London, uh, who I've worked with on Climate Cares, was speaking and saw a fantastic talk by her and, and others there really about one of those hidden burdens which I'm really interested in research-wise about how to measure but also find resilience for uh, youth mental health but mental health in general resilience for for populations around the world and so that was exciting but I got to say after that I was quite tired so I <laughs> sat down and had a coffee and wrote down some thoughts but I'm re-energized so I'm gonna go uh, see if I can meet Emma and then there's a few other things today so all in all really nice and really it's a bit cooler now so um, there's a really nice atmosphere uh, here we go Yeah, and here I am. I've uh, met up with uh, Emma Lawrence of Imperial College London and the leader of uh, Climate Cares and, and other amazing things that I've just talked about seeing. So, hi, Emma. Hi, Robbie. Great to be here. Yeah, great to see you. So, uh, yeah, how, how's, how's COP been going for you? And, like, what are the highlights? What do you think so far? How do you feel about it? I would love to hear all of it. Yeah, thanks so much. So, I've been here since the start. It was my first time coming for all two weeks of a COP. So, it feels a bit like a marathon to be honest. But I mean, there's, of course, multiple different emotions and experiences coming to a COP. Um, this is my third one and each one has been quite different. And what, what I've seen even over that time is a massive increase in the focus on health and particularly on mental health. We ran with the Climate Care Centre the first ever mental health focused event at a COP um, a couple of years ago in Glasgow. And this year, there's been, I mean, I don't know exactly how many, but I've been involved in about 
seven or eight different mental health focused events and I know there are many others that have attended but it's also coming up in other conversations around COP and why that feels extremely exciting is that it's putting a, a human face on climate change. We're starting to see with the health community here and with the health day, the messaging has been really about we need to move away from seeing climate negotiations as about the level of uh, parts per million of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Of course, that's what is uh, the lead, um, leading to the rising temperatures and extreme weather events around the world. But the, the consequences and what, we're, what is really at stake with these negotiations is human health, and that's physical and mental health. And so that needs to be what's central in the minds of decision makers and also in the minds of the public to hold the leaders to account that it is our health, the health of humanity that is at stake, but also stands to benefit from climate action, that it is the uh, changes that we need to see for a safer climate future, of greening our cities, of cleaning the air, you know, even that alone of reducing air pollution would save the 8 million lives a year potentially or towards that, but die sadly of polluted air. I mean, that's nearly the whole of London dying every year from right. polluted air. Um, and there's mental health consequences of that as well, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's very exciting. I think, um, you know, it also can be very overwhelming to be at a COP. It can um, be very exhausting. It can be all these things as well. But I think to see those conversations take centre stage um, is exciting, even though the flip side of that is that the reason that is occurring is because people are sharing their very painful and personal experiences sometimes. And that is um, both very courageous, but also very sometimes very difficult to um, to face that the reality of how widespread these impacts are. Uh, really, really amazing uh, insight into COP. And and from a personal point, what sort of is the what, what's the aspect of COP which you think is the most surprising that most people who haven't physically been would sort of be surprised at? Yeah, I think for me, it's that it's not just about the negotiations. I think I saw COP as these climate policy experts coming together and making these decisions uh, at a country level and at a global level. And even that, I've learned a lot, but I'm still far from an expert, but was really opaque to me, even as someone who deeply cared about the climate for years when you're outside it. But what is surprising is how many people are coming around that process. So how many people are here from uh, NGOs, from healthcare, from... Um, from research, from all of these different spaces, creative spaces, creative oh, yeah. spaces artists, musicians, yep. um, activists, and it is the diversity. I mean, it's truly, truly a place that feels a privilege that is, is truly global. Like you see people walking around, everyone's in clothes from around the world, representing, representing really, truly the global community. And so to be in a place where inside the negotiations and what you hear on the news about the negotiations can sometimes be very demoralising in previous years and the outcomes. But when you're on the ground connecting with people who are coming together because they really care and are doing amazing work around the world, you see how many solutions already exist. We just need to connect to them and start to, to expand them. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Emma. Uh, and great to chat. Thank you. All right. It's uh, the evening of the end of the first day now and yeah, things are kind of quieting down. It was a beautiful sunset. It's uh, golden throughout the outdoors in the uh, blue zone at COP28. 
And uh, one of the things that they do is give out freebies with all the branding. So, for example, we've got uh, the COP28 water bottle. But one of the really cool things is that they give out free metro passes for public transport for the entire trip. So the infrastructure here is, is, is pretty good. And uh, now they're allowing all the delegates uh, free transport. So that's my transport covered for, for the rest of the week. So I'm very, very pleased about that. And uh, yeah, I think it's one of those small things that make a big difference at things like this. So very, very happy about that. Now off to find some dinner, I think. It's the uh, evening of the uh, 8th now, and um, so the Friday, and I'm in a delegation sort of meeting room area, and yeah, there's lots of people furiously chatting, and they're on computers, and um, I think there's a lot of activity, but uh, everyone's kind of sat on floors improvising. This is uh, one of the biggest halls I've ever been in in my life. It's absolutely enormous, and uh, TV crews and things like that. So there's a meeting for the global stock take uh, negotiations, and um, you know it's important because that's going to measure you know emissions by country and how to actually very accurately try to understand where we are in our you know carbon budget and so on. And obviously, so it's, it's quite a delicate negotiation. And um, it's uh, starting at eight, but the parties and observers only, so no media, and the observers can see, but they can only see apparently. I just tried to walk in the room and they said we can only see from, uh, from an overspill. So uh, I'm just waiting to get into that overspill room. So uh, hopefully I get in, but we'll see. Uh, so I've just left the uh, uh, global stock take uh, negotiation uh, at the end of the 8th of December. Uh, and it was with the heads of the delegation, so it was actually you know, very important. And the take-home message, really, with the global stock take, which, of course, um, decides exactly what the guardrails are to get to 1.5. Well, actually, 1.5 was actually was up for debate. So, uh, some people, you know, some some parties or countries or collection of countries were saying, you know, 1.5 is explicit in Paris, which should be and maintain it. Uh, others were saying, you know, otherwise, and obviously it's a, a group of 77, which is the the sort of small island states, uh, historically less developed countries, um, lower and middle income countries, had, um, and China together had been, you know, opposing the, the restrictions on, on them. And, uh, you know, countries like the United States and the European Union were opposing more money from them going to lower middle income countries so uh, and then the united states stated the fact that there's actually more um, options in this version of the global stock take 
uh, paper uh, than, than before, which means that the options are growing. And, you know, Saudi Arabia said that they completely oppose any mention of completely phasing out fossil fuels, uh, for example. So it, it seems pretty intractable right now. Um, and, you know, I guess one thing that people don't really talk about, which I find quite interesting, is it's all very cordial, actually. You know, sort of countries that are at war even in, 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 this, uh, in this world. The, the, the way that they talk to each other is very cordial, very respectful, obviously very firm. But, uh, you know, it is literally diplomacy, so people are uh, being very diplomatic and and so I think that's very interesting uh, observers were allowed which was great for me and you know, just watching this take place is both you know heartening in the sense that I understand that people are really trying their best uh, given their nation state you know, or collection of nation state sort of strictures uh, but it's also kind of worrying because we really are at the, the business end of this kind of thing. And if, if we can't agree on it now, then then when on earth are we going to agree on it? So, you know, yeah, some ups and downs today. But uh, need to get some rest and come back tomorrow. And I'm giving a talk uh, early on. So I'm looking forward to that. But now I just need to get some sleep, get the metro back. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our part one of this audio diary. Please check out part two where Robbie wraps up his COP28 coverage focusing on the climate health intersection at COP28 and gives us some insight as to where we go from here as a world coming to grips with the climate crisis. If you enjoy this podcast, visit agentsofchangenej.org and while you're there, click the donate button to support us. You can find us on X and Instagram and please follow us on Spotify or iTunes where you can listen to this and all past episodes. This Agents of Change podcast was recorded by Dr. Robbie Parks, produced and edited by me with outreach scheduling and support from the rest of the team. Dr. Ami Zoda, Dr. Yoshira Ornelas Van Horn, Dr. Venus Singla, Dr. Max Ong, Dr. Lariah Edwards, Summer Ahmad, and Maria Paula Rubiano. Our music is now sung by Poddington Bear. Thank you so much for joining us, and remember to check out part two of this audio diary, where we keep these important conversations on diversity in science and health going. Have a great week, folks.